The Start On Demand. On demand. It was a tense weekend of protesting George Floyd's death all across North America, including in Atlanta, where we will speak with former Winnipeg Blue Bomber great Milt Stiegel to check in to see how he and his family are doing. We'll also hear from a Winnipegger who says silence is no longer an option and shares his regret on how he did not speak out against racism 15 years ago. Phase two of Manitoba's reopening begins today. We'll check in with Scott McTaggart from Fusion Grill to find out when they're going to reopen their dining room. And we'll talk about cooking blunders because I went to reheat some Santa Lucia pizza on Saturday night in a frying pan and I fell asleep for three hours. Needless to say, the pizza did not turn out so well. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back on Wednesday. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Monday, June 1st podcast for The Start. We start this hour in Atlanta, one of the dozens of U.S. cities which saw protests, demonstrations, and ultimately looting and vandalism over the weekend. Rapper Killer Mike came forward Friday night to join Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms to denounce the violence which overshadowed the peaceful demonstrations of the day and the history of civil rights demonstrations of the past. I didn't want to come, and I don't want to be here. I'm the son of an Atlanta City police officer. Uh-huh. My cousin is an Atlanta City police officer, and my other cousin, East Point police officer. And I got a lot of love and respect for police officers, down to the original eight police officers in Atlanta that even after becoming police had to dress in a YMCA because white officers didn't want to get dressed with n****. And here we are 80 years later, I watched a white officer assassinate a black man and I know that tore your heart out and I know it's crippling and I have nothing positive to say in this moment because I don't want to be here but I'm responsible to be here because it wasn't just Dr. King and people dressed nicely who marched and protested to progress this city in so many other cities. It was people like my grandmother, people like my aunts and uncles who were members of SCLC and NAACP, and in particular, Reverend James Orange, Mrs. Alice Johnson, and Reverend Love, who we just lost last year. So I'm duty bound to be here to simply say that it is your duty not to burn your own house down for anger with an enemy. That's one minute and 39 seconds of eight minutes and 20 seconds that Killer Mike delivered. And you can uh, catch that on Twitter. It's easy to find. I'll retweet it in just a moment. Our next guest did exactly that Saturday morning. He grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, made his living playing football for 14 years in our city and now makes his home in Atlanta, Georgia. Good morning, Milt Stiegel. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. I guess we first of all uh, want to know how you are, but how are your sons? How, how and how, how's your wife? How how are you doing after three nights of all this, Milt? Um, I mean, we're I guess we can say we're doing better than most. Uh, everything is stable in our household. Everyone is safe. Uh, 
my wife, she celebrated her birthday yesterday, so we had somewhat of a distraction. We just wanted to make sure she had a special day. Uh, my, my son, especially my older son, Chase, I mean, he'll be 16 in November. He's asking questions. You know, he wants to know what's going on, and, and we're concerned because soon he'll be out there driving by himself. So uh, we're trying to answer his questions the best we can. Uh, but sometimes there are no answers, which is unfortunate with this situation we're dealing with. So uh, we're just hoping for the best. We're hoping uh, individuals who are in place to make the decisions are making the right decisions. But if people think this is going to change overnight or over the next 10 years, it, it's not going to happen. So uh, everyone involved, uh, we have a lot of work to do. What is it about Killer Mike's speech that resonated with you so strongly? Well, I mean, he's, he's from the community. Uh, he's from a place called Adamsville, and Adamsville is, is not an upscale place, to say the least. So this is a man who, who comes from the dirt. He understands Atlanta like very few people do, because a lot of people who come to Atlanta, they see the glitz and glamour of it, uh, the Buckhead, Alfred, all those places. But this is an individual who understands what Atlanta was before uh, what Atlanta is right now. So you have to have a lot of respect for him. Uh, he's a activist, a rapper. Uh, and like I said, he understands uh, the roots of Atlanta and how it used to be before what it is right now. Milt, you mentioned the fact that Chase is turning 16 soon and uh, I've got 14 year old twin boys. And in my house, the talk has to do with sex but in your house, uh, you're probably having two talks, and, and, and the second talk is one we might not be familiar with here in Winnipeg. Can you outline the conversation that uh, young African-American men have to have with their parents about driving? Yeah, and, and, and it's scary. You know, we're, we're teaching him how to drive as a driver. You know, it's, it's very hectic here in Atlanta uh, with all the, the traffic and everything, but we can teach him that. Uh, the one thing that's difficult to do is how do we teach him how to act if he stopped by that, let's be honest, that racist cop. And there's still a bunch of them out there, and I hate to say that. How do you react? I mean, you basically have to be at that person's, you know, their heck and calling you. Right? you whatever they say do, you do. You don't make any uh, knee-jerk movements. You don't, you, you don't question them. You don't allow your pride uh, to get in the way. And he's somewhat been put in that position, not to that scale. And I kind of uh, prepped him for it. But Chase plays soccer. Let's be honest. Soccer is an elitist sport. It's very expensive to play. So there are not many Africans Amer African-Americans playing. I told Chase there's going to be some opportunities where people are going to call him the N-word. And it's happened three times to him. Two of the times he handled it well. Another time he didn't. So he's somewhat been prepped for what's going to happen because there's a good chance it's going to happen. I've had buddies who've had teenage sons and they've gone through it. And fortunate enough, they've been able to come out of it. So there's a good chance it's going to happen. I tell people all the time, you have Atlanta and Atlanta is a very progressive city, but 20 miles either way outside of Atlanta. And it really becomes Georgia. It's really uh, a lot of racism going on. Uh, there's a lot of bad things going on outside of Atlanta. So we're just trying to educate them and prep them for what they have, uh, they may experience, because we don't want to be those parents that have to hover over our kids. Of course, we want to make sure they're safe, but we want them to be independent and have that freedom. So we're just trying to educate them to the best of our ability.
Milt, before we let you go, what can we do here in Winnipeg? Well, I, I think we just all have to uh, educate ourselves, uh, not only in Winnipeg, but throughout throughout the world. We just have to educate ourselves and have some sympathy for individuals. Uh, I mean, I hate when people say, when they hear somebody says, uh, Black Lives Matter, and their response is, all lives matter. We're, we're not saying that when we say Black Lives Matter. We know all lives matter, but we just need to be considered more in the conversation. There's so many conversations where African-Americans or black aren't in the conversation. And we just want to be in the conversation. You know, there were years ago where we weren't even considered a full, full, full human. And my father, who was born in 1922, he told me of those stories where he wasn't considered a full human. So we just want to be considered in the conversations when we, when we speak and we say, you know, we want to matter. We just want some empathy and we want folks to understand that we have problems too and we have concerns and we just want people to hear us. We cherish our connection with you, Milt. Thank you for taking time for us today and remain safe and give our love uh, to your entire family that mean the world to uh, so many of us here in the city. Be well, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Have me on. You guys take care. The great Milt Stegall joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back Wednesday. Coming up at 845, we have a large two-topping pizza to give away for Santa Lucia. And if you end up with leftovers, don't do what I did on Saturday night. I had three pieces left of the Santa Lucia pizza that I ordered on Friday of meat lovers with mushrooms and extra cheese. It was delightful. And uh, I had three pieces left. I put it on the fry pan. We've discussed this before. I I switched now back and forth between the fry pan and the broiler for reheating. And uh, it was around 11.30 Saturday night. I'd been golfing all day, and then I went and met some friends Saturday evening, and I barely had time to eat. So when I got home, I threw the pizza on. Five minutes in, I checked it, and I thought, ah, it needs probably about three, maybe four minutes more. I went and sat back down on the couch, and... Suddenly it was 2.30 in the morning, and I woke up and sat there for five minutes and thought, why does it smell like smoke? And uh, finally went into the kitchen and looked down at the stove and (laughs) saw this pan on the stove, and then I remembered, oh my God, I forgot about the pizza! And sure enough, the three pieces are were charcoal the the pan i think is destroyed the lid is destroyed they've been soaking for two days if you have if you if you can tell me how to fix that situation text us at 204-780-6868 but i feel like an idiot i I could have burned down my apartment and the entire building thankfully it was on low the smoke alarm didn't even go off so we want to know your cooking blunders you can text at 204-780-6868 also just a heads up we have a crash southbound main at inkster police not on site yet. Jeff Forte, let's start with you because you were telling me something uh, I think one of your buddies did. Oh yeah, well my friends uh, they were living together and they go out and they were having a night of drinking and they come home to make some craft dinner and uh, they left. <laughs> Been they, there. They, they put the pots on the stove filled with water and uh, they end up passing out. <laughs> they woke up They woke up uh, hours later and the water was all gone and the pot, the bottom of the pot was actually like burnt through like it was there's no bottom of the pot and then and then there's my story where uh involves craft dinner as well it's one of these craft dinner bowls I actually have one right here a little shaker yes and yes of course you know i had a night of drinking and uh <laughs> don't you don't feel like cooking anything so these things are awesome you just fill some water in it stir it up throw it in the microwave well uh i forgot to add water 
Oh, no. So, and the smell, it just stinks. Oh. It just stinks because the bowl burns, the craft dinner burns. Terrible idea. And it, it just lingers. The smell lingers forever. For how long? At least two days. Okay. Because, yeah, that, everything still smells kind of smoky in my apartment. Kelly Moore, what about you? You ever had a cooking fail? Well, I, I'm i trying to remember exact, what the exact circumstances were, but I know there was one uh, morning where I went to put on a pot of boiling water and then got working. I think I was hosting a dinner that night, so I started working on some notes and researching and that sort of thing, and then all of a sudden I, I smelled you know, what's going on here? Like, I wish it had been a night of drinking and I wish I'd have passed out rather than just being stupid. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, went to the oven or went to the stove rather. And yeah, there was the uh, the pot and it wound up similarly. It, it, the bottom hadn't been completely burned out, Forts, but uh, uh, like Brett, uh, the, uh, the pot was unsalvageable. So all I could say to you, Brett, is you might want to just throw that frying pan out. You know, have a little, have a little celebration or a moment or a ceremony or whatever, and then toss it in its rightful place. <laughs> Jeff Braun. I was just going to say, one of our listeners says, "Urban Mind can help you out with that." Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeff Braun, what about you? So far, I've been lucky enough not to burn the bottom out of a pot like you guys all seem to have done, but I will say. In the 11 weeks that we've been working from home now, I, I make toast every morning, and about 10 times, I would say, I've burnt the toast beyond edibleness. And I don't know why. It's the most basic thing a person can cook, and that I repeatedly screw it up is a little bit distressing, but uh, usually it's because I put the toast in, and then I go sit back at my computer, and again, forget that I have it in there. And so the next thing I know, I see the smoke pouring out of the kitchen, and it's like, oh, that's right, breakfast is ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about you, Mackling? Oh, uh, yeah, lots of stories. Uh, why don't we uh, get to a listener story first? <laughs> I made pizza for my daughter and friends. It flipped and fell on the floor face down. Who wants a happy meal? <laughs> you know, you said you did not uh, set off your smoke detector this past winter. Jackie and I were craving steaks, so we did it under the broiler in the stove. Ooh. But in order to um, save the work on the dishes, we used the parchment paper. <clears throat> and the parchment paper decided to catch on fire under the broiler. And uh, the smoke filled the kitchen. And then, of course, the smoke detector went off. One of the boys was upstairs madly waving the wet towel, trying to deter the smoke from, from uh, you know, setting off the detector any longer. And in all of this, apparently our alarm company decided it would be a good idea to phone the fire department and I was standing dealing with the stakes and I could hear <laughs> sirens in the distance and you know you kind of wonder where they're going and, and then they kept getting louder and louder I looked at Jackie I think they're coming here <laughs> sure enough went outside and there's a guy big oh. firefighter's got an axe on his shoulder and I stood in the lawn I said you, it's all good guys it's a-okay I didn't mean to set off the the fire alarm and I didn't hear the person on the panel yelling are you okay are you okay <laughs> So uh, I, I owe the Winnipeg uh, Fire Department or some service eighty dollars for the for the fire department coming to our house. I'll I'll pay that today. Hey, and Jeff, uh, you mentioned burning toast. I know somebody who uh, one of my friends once 
tried to uh, do a grilled cheese sandwich in a toaster. They'd heard, they'd heard it or saw it on Pinterest or something <laughs> and uh, set the toaster on fire and ended up having to throw it <laughs> throw it off the balcony into the snow below. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Bev saying, toaster ovens, making toast at work many years ago. Took a few moments to do a bit of paperwork. Fast forward, my toast is aflame and black with smoke billowing out. Unplugged the unit, got a metal bowl of water and scooped the toast in to end the flames. Never again. No toaster ovens. And a weekend of upsetting and disturbing events. There is one that really jumps out. Footage of a Minnesota or footage out of Minnesota shows a tanker truck driving into a quickly parting crowd of thousands of people peacefully protesting the death of George Floyd. Officials say it appears no protesters were hit. The video shows the truck moving fast along Interstate 35W Bridge in Minneapolis, the crowd scattering before coming to a stop. Dozens of protesters then approached the truck and dragged the driver out of the vehicle. Greg, it was absolute mayhem. It was indeed, and I happened to be watching, uh, I think it was MSNBC, and they had a split screen, and I saw it going on, and I immediately switched to WCCO to get the context of what was going on, because it looked like a Reginald Denny situation, the truck driver in South Central Los Angeles who who was violently beaten. Well, the whole story was much different uh, in Minnesota. The Minnesota Department of Public Safety denounced the truck driver's actions, saying he incited peaceful protesters and he has been arrested. A quote, a very disturbing actions by a truck driver on I-35W inciting a crowd of peaceful demonstrators, the department tweeted last night. The truck driver was taken to hospital for non-life-threatening injuries and is under arrest. That was just one of dozens of protests which took place over the weekend in the Twin Cities. Corey Heppola of WCCO Radio joins us again from Minneapolis. Good morning, Corey. Hey, guys. Uh, you know, the, the typical salutations sort of go out the window this morning. Did you happen to see that uh, situation play out on television late yesterday afternoon? I did, and, and I actually had the same response you did. Um, once the, the truck came to a stop, I immediately had flashbacks to the 92 Rodney King riots where the, the driver of the semi was, was taken out and beaten. Obviously, different circumstances here because uh, the people here were protesting peacefully, and I don't know how this driver did not re- realize. I, I guess it's kind of one of three things, right? Either, either it's terrorism and he got cold feet. Either he's an idiot who got frustrated and is like, I need to get from here to here and I'm just going to do it. Or it's three, he just was an idiot and didn't know. Like, I mean, so it's, it's, it's probably one of those three things. Um, and we're still trying to, to figure that out. But thankfully, the people, the protesters there had the, had the peace of mind to just drag him out and he had some bumps and bruises but they didn't they didn't beat him they didn't uh it didn't get worse than it than it could have been melvin carter mayor of uh, st paul seems to have emerged as a genuine leader in this crisis we just want to play a minute of his statement from yesterday today we're asking our community for peace but i want to be very clear we are not asking you for patience and we are not asking you for pacifism This is not a time for either of those things. We are not asking you, I am not asking you to sit to the side and patiently wait while we slowly and incrementally stem the bloody tide of African-American men killed by law enforcement. 
We're asking you to take that energy, that energy which has consumed our country, that energy which is a nuclear energy that could either destroy us or it could bring us together and build us up in a way that we have never been together before as a country. We're asking you to take that energy and use it not to destroy our neighborhoods, but to destroy the historic culture, to destroy the systemic racism, to destroy, in specific, where this is concerned, the, the laws, uh, the legal precedents, the police union contracts, all of the things that make it so difficult to hold someone accountable when a life like George Floyd's is so wrongfully taken. Corey, how are people reacting to what uh, the mayor of St. Paul had to say? Well, I think Mayor uh, Melvin Carter is, is he's popular. He's popular in the city. I think he's popular in the state. Um, and I think he's a voice of he's a voice of the people. I mean, he grew up here. And so if anybody knows what it's like to be an African-American man growing up in in this country and in this city, it's him. So I think he, people are responding very favoritively to him. I think the next question is, that's great. And that sounds like a that's a, that's a great speech and it's honest and it's authentic and it sounds like a reelection speech. Awesome. OK, it's easier said than done. What do we do? How do we have this? this reform here in this country? How do we have this reform here in the state with policing? What, what, are the, what are the next steps? And I think those are the major questions that people are asking because, <clears throat> excuse me, because we've been talking for a long time. We've been seeing this all decade long, well, and, and centuries here in this country, but specifically, even this last decade, we thought with Michael Brown and all these other cases that came out like this, we thought, okay, now's the time. And then it just Every year or two, something pops up like this, and it's like, okay, well, when does it end? Yeah, and, I, you know, you talk to Minnesotans every day on your program, 9 to noon, on WCCO. Are, are we going to be able, are, is the general population going to be able to get past the rioting, the looting, the vandalism, and keep their eyes on the target of what this is really all about? Or, or is that going to wash away uh, for some people any quote-unquote goodwill there might have been to, to approach and, and, and broach this situation honestly and openly? I think that we have to continue to have a police presence here and then a national guard presence here in the, in the interim, because I do think that the second you lay off and the second you step back, that you're opening yourself up to that wrongful violence, right? The, the rioting and the wrongful violence. And I don't think anybody's advocating for that. That's not good. We've had innocent people now have their, their lives uprooted and, and businesses ruined. And, and there's some people who are taking advantage of this whole thing that are like, Oh good, I can get some free stuff now. Like that's, that's not, that's not keeping in, in line with what this whole purpose is. And we've seen, let me tell you, I know we see a lot of the bad stuff, but there's a lot of good happening here too. Now people uh, uh, arm in arm, helping each other clean up donations. And um, so there's, there are a lot of people that have the, have the right, um, the right things in their mind when they say they're keeping this towards this is for George Floyd, this is for reform. Um, so I, I do believe in the people of Minnesota, and yes, I do think we will get past this. But it takes we are in that time now that needs to be interrupted, right? We need that that time where it needs to stop the violence, stop the rioting, and now how do we heal? Still only one person charged in the death of George Floyd. The former police officer was to appear in court today. What's the latest on that? It's uh, been taken over. Um, so yeah, Derek Chauvin has been charged with third-degree murder and then manslaughter as well. They've said maybe potentially 
There could be more charges coming. Um, Attorney General Keith Ellison now taking over the the lead on that. And I'm still I, I know that Floyd's family wanted that. Um, and I know that there are some community activists that wanted that. I'm still I'm a little interested on that uh, on that relationship because it was taken over from Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman, who was puffing out his chest last week because he is one that he uh, last year convicted a police officer, which is very difficult to do in this country. And he and he had success doing it. And he was talking about a success and he'll use that that uh, to, to, you know, that experience. And 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 now he's he's taking a back seat. So I, I'm curious as to some of the behind the scene legalese on why uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison is taking over. But but it seems to be I mean, from the outside, a lot of people seem to be energized by that. Corey, before we let you run here, you've been so kind and generous with your time since last Friday. We we greatly appreciate that. But uh, we've been asking you questions. What what question are you asking most, uh, either to yourself or will you be asking your your listeners uh, later on today? What what is it that, that you'd like to say with without a question being thrown at you? You know, it's interesting. I've I've spent the last five, six, seven days mostly listening because I'm a white guy from America. I'm a white guy from small town, Minnesota, and it is not my job to tell someone else how they should feel. And I think we've gotten a lot of response on that where it's like, well, it's not, it's not racist or it's not this, or it's not that. And I, I I try to encourage these people. You're not thinking about it the right way for, for us. It is our job to listen because if we can listen then we can try to, I can never understand what it's like to grow up as an African-American in this country. Look, but my wife is black. I'm, I'm raising two uh, black boys and one black girl. Like, so, so my job is to listen and to try to understand how people are feeling and why they're feeling the way that they are. And I, I just think that that's a, a good fundamental lesson for all of us is when we start to do that and we take some personal responsibility and we start to listen, that's when things heal. Corey Hapalov, WCCO Radio, joining us from Minneapolis live on the start. Thank you so much for the time, Corey. Very much appreciated. Awesome. Anytime, you guys. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back Wednesday. If you go to our 680CJOB Instagram story, you will see the picture of my pizza that I left on the frying pan for three hours as I fell asleep while I was waiting for it to heat up. Whoops. Uh, and we are getting a ton of great stories at 204-780-6868, Greg. Oh, let's go to Heather's because <laughs> I saw this one earlier and I thought, oh my gosh, made popcorn once in the microwave. Sounds innocent enough. Burnt the hell out of it. We, <laughs> the house stunk so bad we had to throw out the microwave because oh we couldn't get the smell out of our house. Wow. And David uh, says a couple of days ago, just a couple of days ago, I inadvertently put a pot on the counter where there was a blob of peanut butter. After the element was on for a few minutes, I could smell something burning and didn't realize until sometime later what I had done. Let's just say my apartment smelled like a peanut factory had exploded. So Brad, don't feel too bad about the pizza in the frying pan incident. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. And uh, I think you also pointed to a story from from Greg. Greg. Yeah, from Greg. He's a regular texter. He says, uh, I must have been 12 or 13. I was going to cook a frozen pizza. I was reading the instruction. 
it was uh, like cook at 350 for 20 minutes. I remember looking at the oven and seeing if it goes up to 500. Well, I did the math and I thought, well, it should only take 10 minutes or so at 500. I forgot about it for like half an hour, a little bit longer, came back to a flaming pizza in the oven. I actually threw a, a Delicio pizza in the, the in the, the stove at my parents uh, once when I was actually drunk, and I I set it to broiler instead of bake, and uh, that puck, that pizza, needless to say, was the world's largest hockey puck. So you can keep those stories coming at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Your cooking blunders. Phase two of Manitoba's reopening begins today, and that includes restaurants, which can now reopen their dining rooms, Greg, at half capacity. Yeah, it's exciting uh, for a lot of folks. No more excited, uh, I'm going to guess, than restaurant operators as they can uh, build their revenue base a little bit. Let's get the scoop from our friends at Fusion Grill Academy at Lanark. Scott, Scott McTaggart is the owner, waiter at Fusion Grill and joins us now live on the start. Good morning, Scott. Hello, hello. Oh, well, the energy is always uh, way above 10. Uh, if it was an amplifier, it would be one of those spinal tap amplifiers that go to 11. Scott, how, what's the plan for today, and, and are you as excited as you sound? Well, we are uh, very excited. It's been an extremely busy uh, few days. Um, we are opening on Thursday. We will be opening our new patio and sparkly clean uh, from t- stem to stern uh, dining room uh, at four o'clock on Thursday afternoon. We have some staff training. Of course, there's all sorts of new protocols uh, that we want to make sure we have everybody uh, on the same page with. Uh, so we're going to be doing that this week. And then, uh, hey, I got to do the redo the floor plan for the dining room. And of course, the new patio up front. And uh, how much extra cleaning is uh, there going to be once you do reopen? Well, um, it'll be clean when we get open. We've had professional cleaners come in uh, yesterday. They were here all day uh, doing the washrooms and the floors and the walls and the ceilings and whatnot. And we uh, just want to make sure. <clears throat> I mean, cleaning, you know, in a restaurant is, is kind of a 24-7, 365 day a year type of a thing, really. So, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that we're practicing social distancing amongst ourselves, keeping staff safe, keeping our customers safe, and at the same time providing you know, really comfortable, uh, tasty dining experience. Well, you know that they say, Scott, a time for leaning. There's a time for cleaning. But uh, oh, yeah. is there any <laughs> is there any <laughs> trepidation here at all, Scott, from your staff or yourself? Uh, or, or, or are you confident that uh, you've got this uh, plan sort of mapped out? And, and how do you feel the, the public's going to react? Are they going to come back? Well, um, I'm feeling pretty positive. The patio is in as a stepping stone, really. I mean, I think naturally, of course, people are going to be reticent, um, you know, to be not necessarily sitting with their friends and family at a table, but, you know, other people that they they don't know. I mean, naturally, they're going to feel a little uncomfortable about that. So um, I I like the patio idea. It's up and ready so that, you know, it's a stepping stage. The other thing is that uh, months ago, uh, I um, ordered a safe haven, uh, device, which basically is a, a non-touch air and surface decontamination system. So where did you hear about that? Well, a couple of years ago, I was having a problem at my home with mold in a bathroom. 
And uh, a buddy of mine, uh, um, well, it's actually a, a dad of, of, at my daughter's uh, school, a fellow dad, um, was uh, telling me about this uh, this system for, for mold. Anyways, <clears throat> when COVID started to hit in February and March, he contacted me right away and reintroduced the system to me and was telling me about how sort of the new uh, technology, the updated version of the device, uh, basically it it uses ionized hydrogen peroxide molecules. It naturally kills 99% of pathogens, including viruses. And it's all installed in the HVAC system. So it's kind of constantly, you know, doing this throughout the whole, uh, the whole restaurant, the dining room, the kitchen, washrooms, everywhere. Well, that's probably going to be a little bit of a relief for, for folks coming into the dining room that, that you've taken that extra step for their safety and, of course, the safety of, of your staff. Are you still going to be offering takeout, Scott? Absolutely, yeah. We want to keep that. You know, it, that's been a real uh, uh, eye-opener. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new revenue stream, and we're not expecting, you know, we're still half, uh, you know, only half the dining room, right? We're still half the patio. Uh, we're going to need... Um, uh, people to continue uh, doing takeout and delivery with us to sort of, you know, hopefully kind of come back to, um, you know, a little bit of a more normal revenue stream to keep us surviving. I mean, we're still in a negative cash flow situation. You know, we're hoping that we get, uh, um, you know, people supporting us in the dining room uh, and the patio, uh, as well as the takeout and delivery. Now, I've heard wonderful things about this burger that you guys offer. <laughs> Jeff Courier was saying that he had it and he loved it. Yeah, it's uh, uh, also part of what we're doing to try and offer, you know, Fair Fusion Grill, high-end, fine dining, gorgeous, beautiful food. Uh, but, you know, we're going to take all of that and maybe put it into a price point that's a little bit more approachable for people as we're all sort of struggling through this and, you know, a lot of pocketbooks, a lot of people out of work, that type of thing, want to have, you know, a, a really different, really great sort of experience. So our chef Lorna is revisiting things like the burger. Uh, we're also doing things, you know, panko crusted pickerel cheeks with crispy yam frites, kind of like a fish and chips dish, very approachable. And this week we'll be introducing um, fusion grilled flatbread. Mm. Chef, uh, yeah, chefs uh, have been working on. So it's actually the the uh, the, the dough itself is crusty um, from the grill, uh, and then it goes into the oven. And she, it would come up, given her license to come up. So you're, you know, what would a chef? How would a really accomplished chef? Uh, what would they put on a pizza? I love I love the notion of uh, sort of reinventing things a little bit. We have exactly like uh, less than 10 seconds here. A lot of changes in terms of what restaurants are doing to keep that revenue coming in. Some are adding a COVID-19 surcharge. Are you going down that road? No, sir. No, I don't. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I don't feel as though. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I just don't feel. I don't feel that's for us. I mean, we didn't. Uh, you know, we charged a little bit for uh, delivery for places that are really quite uh, far away to rationalize, you know, that, but we didn't call charge extra for the packaging or anything at all. I mean, to me, I sort of looked at it as a wash, you know, we have linens on the tables when we're doing takeout and delivery, you know, we're, we're not using the linens on the tables, but we're using some packaging. So, you know, it's to me, <clears throat> I'm grateful for people to come and, come and see us, to support us. And uh, I'm not going to charge a tax on that. 
Scott McTaggart is the owner of Fusion Grill, also a server and has been a skip the dishes uh, courier during this pandemic and now once again getting ready for reopening on Thursday afternoon with a patio. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for having me. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to seeing you. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back on Wednesday. So I'm an idiot. This isn't new. I mean, this isn't news. You're not, you don't have to have been listening earlier to know this. We all know I'm kind of an idiot, but I have no problem using my foolishness as fodder for our morning chats. And over the weekend, I reheated some Santa Lucia pizza in my frying pan, and I fell asleep for three hours and destroyed the pizza and the frying pan, and my apartment kind of stinks right now. I'm really thankful, actually, that I just paid up my tenant's insurance on Friday. And we are getting uh-huh. awesome text messages at 204. 204- 780 We've also got a conversation up on our Facebook page. You can see the pictures, by the way, on 680CJOB's Instagram if you want to see the damage. But, Greg, we've got a, an amazing story here about a ham. <laughs> uh, we haven't had anybody claim this story yet. I know you asked for a name. Did you get one yet, no, Brett? No, no. <laughs> okay, well, I don't suspect... <laughs> I'm not betting that we will. How's that? Yeah. I was about 17. My parents were on vacation and I had invited my boyfriend over for supper. Wanting so bad to impress him, I decided to do a baked glazed ham and scalloped potatoes. I baked the ham on low all afternoon, taking it out every 30 minutes or so, slapping on more glaze. I smelled, it smelled amazing. I decided to give my boyfriend the honors of slicing the ham. And when he did, he found out I'd forgotten to take the plastic wrap off before throwing it in the oven. All day, I'd done nothing but glaze the plastic. He said you would still eat it, but I refused. I have never lived it down. It has become the topic of many family discussions and laughs, and now here on the radio as well. Anonymous texter fantastic story yeah thanks for sharing that one <laughs> indeed yeah thank you so much for sharing these stories i mean that's why we love having these these chats around our morning kitchen table here uh yuri says i wanted to boil three eggs for an egg salad next day so i put them on to boil went to watch some tv and totally forgot in about an hour i heard two loud bangs like two grenades what the heck was that Went to the kitchen, and there is egg on the wall, on the ceiling, on the floor, everywhere. It took me a couple of days to clean up. And that reminds me, this wasn't a cooking blunder. This was just a a fridge placement blunder. I had some cans of pop on the top uh, shelf in my fridge. And uh, I'm sitting in my living room, and I, I suddenly hear this bang! And I think, what is that? And I open the fridge, and I guess one of the cans of pop, because it was at the top, it had frozen... And it exploded. (laughs) I had to take everything out of the fridge and clean everything. That that one nanosecond of explosion took me two hours to clean up. I had that in my car. Really? Oh, yeah. I left a can of Coke in my car in winter. Oh, God. And uh, it was in the front cup holder. 
and the cat mm-hmm. ended up in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, Manitoba. Gotta love it. Have you got time for herbs real quick? Yeah, I know we're going to be out of here in about 30 seconds. Uh, about 2010, I was getting ready to go to an awards banquet, but I thought I'd bake four chicken breasts for chicken salad sandwiches for the next day. My wife says, let's go, and off we go. As my plate arrives and presented in front of me, it's chicken. <laughs> Holy crap. I forgot to take chicken out of the oven and it's still at 350 degrees excusing myself i drive like a maniac 25 minutes thankfully to find no fire but four <laughs> very cajun style chicken breasts <laughs> and a warped cooking sheet thanks for that herb as the united states finds itself in the middle of widespread demonstrations and marches demanding a new social contract for minorities in that country, people around the world are paying attention. The death of George Floyd has sent Americans of all races to the streets in condemnation, Greg, of the actions of now former Minneapolis police officers. Yeah, Brett, Floyd's death is one of far too many, which are the result of p- police injuring or, or killing black men. Uh, Vancouver and Montreal joined cities in Europe with protests of their own. Now, of course, far too many of the protests have turned into violent gatherings and, and with fires being lit, extensive vandalism and looting. And of course, there's concern that that's going to to block and, and blur the message here. But The message is clear from the protesters, those on the streets that are being peaceful. Enough is enough. Our next guest shared a personal story of his own on Twitter with that exact same message. Scott Cawson joins us now. Good morning, Scott. How are you today, sir? Morning, guys. I'm doing great. It's like uh, Braveheart in the studio this morning with all the Scots you have on. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Three Scots in a row. It's unbelievable. But uh, hey, thanks for lending your voice uh, to this discussion because A, and we don't need to get into this part of it uh, necessarily right now, but but we can if you like. Canada's hands are, are far from clean when it comes to racism. We have our own issues in our country that need to be dealt with and need to be uh, discussed and and resolved. But Scott, you, you did something I thought was pretty brave yesterday. You put yourself out there. You shared a personal story uh, that, uh, in retrospect, has you wishing you, you'd handled it differently. And I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but uh, w- would you share the story? And have I characterized that uh, in a correct fashion? Yeah, you have. Uh, of course, absolutely I will. So I believe people should be accountable to themselves and to, to society. So I run, I do this Sunday morning uh, musings on Twitter uh, where I just give my thoughts of the week. And generally it's light and it's, you know, uh, witty, trying to be witty as, as best as I can. My wife tells me it, it doesn't work, but I try and I have somewhat of a following. Well, I didn't feel very witty yesterday. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I very much affected by what's going on because of my own personal family. Uh, I have a black son. Um, who, who's my stepson. I've been, had a hand in raising him since he was three years old. So um, this, this affects me very much. And I've watched uh, and, and been told stories by my son of being followed in stores and being uh, questioned in places where he goes of why he's there. Now, my son's six foot three, big boy, never been in trouble, never had a drug issue, uh, never done anything wrong as far as the law goes. I mean, plenty of wrong around the house, but that's a dad issue. 
But uh, never, never in any trouble at all. When he started telling me when he was in his late teens about being followed around through malls and grocery stores and Walmart and that kind of thing, it really, I had no clue. Like, it was so beyond uh, my scope and my wife's scope. Being, being two white parents to a black son, we realized quickly we don't have that knowledge and we're kind of blind to it. So it opened our eyes. So yesterday I decided that I'm going to share some of my shame. One of the things that I remember from many years ago, like so many guys, I'm a, I'm a hockey player and I spend a lot of time at the rink. I coach a high school hockey team. I do goal instruction on the side and I play. So going back, let's say 15 years, I'm in the dressing room one day and my favorite part of hockey is the dressing room, the banter, the chirping, the back and forth. That uh, for you, for those of you who play hockey out there, you know what I'm talking about. It's not always fun to bring your equipment and get it on stinky, wet, whatever. But the the, the back and forth is worth it, before and after. So we have. I'm I'm a professional and I skate with professionals, and uh, one of the leaders of the room is about ten years older than me. So back then it would have been about forty five. He stands up and he's, you know, joking around and uh, he starts dropping the N-word out of the blue, just characterizing a group of people and not really anybody who's done anything wrong or not that that's an excuse, but just throwing it out there like it's nothing. And it bothered me. I wanted to, to say something. I wanted to make him feel like my son would feel. And I didn't. I decided that me not laughing at his joking, me not looking at him, me ignoring him was a strong enough message. And so that's what I did. And it really tainted the way I looked at him to this day. But I've left it. So I go home that day and it's still bothering me. So I tell my wife what happened. And she looks at me and says, why didn't you say something? And then I get defensive and I say, it's not my fight. It's not my job to climb that hill and, and tell him in a room full of other people, I'm not his dad. I I did my part by not taking part, but I knew as soon as those words came out of my mouth that I was wrong. I was way off. So here I am 15 years later, still, this is bothering me that I didn't say anything. Now, had I said to him, Anything along the lines of, why are those the words that you're choosing? Do you understand the history of that word? Do you know that word is not ours to use? Would it have made a difference? Maybe not. Could it possibly have one person in that room said, yeah, I agree. That's not right. And had I done that, I'd have felt a lot better myself. So that's where I left it. Now, here I am almost 50 years old. I'm going to, I have a black son who's out and he's a college graduate who's out in the street that I have to be concerned if he goes south, like I've done to Minneapolis to on vacation anywhere that I have to worry about him walking down the street because somebody might say that he looks like someone they're looking for. And further down the road, I'm going to have black grandkids and the same issues. So what I did on my Sunday morning musings, I told that story. And if again, here I go, if one person 
changes their opinion or understand that they have to speak up when this stuff happens, we've got a better place. It's baloney sitting there just not taking part. People have to be better. Me too. Do you still have contact with this person who uttered the word 15 years ago? Uh, I do. Still skate with him on a, on a regular basis. And is uh, has he weighed in on this since you've put the story online? Uh, no, no. Uh, I, I have no idea whether he follows me on social media. Uh, being an older guy, I would guess not. And frankly, if it comes up and we have that discussion, then so be it. But uh, I have a feeling that there will be a conversation in the future. Scott, it's an incredibly powerful uh, step that you took. And I, I, so often the things that we do in the past, the mistakes that we've made, we, we, we carry them around like granite on our back. And uh, this is not only freeing for you, but it's a gift to all of us who have maybe found ourselves in similar situations and not spoken up. And part of the discussion uh, surrounding what happened in Minneapolis is the fact that, yes, there is one police officer charged with murder here, but there were two other officers also on George Floyd's back. And there was another who stood by and said nothing as the, as passersby and those filming the situation begged for them to do something different as, as George himself was lying on the ground begging for them to do something different. And, and I think the message for me that I got from your message yesterday is that that's what we can do. If, if we can do one thing in all this is to speak up when we see things that aren't right, because I think for a lot of us, the answer has been, we felt comfortable just to, well, I'm not engaging, I'm not participating. So, so that's good enough. You know, we as Canadians, we're, we're, we pride ourselves on how polite we are. We, we have to use that polite to work for us instead of against us. Don't be afraid to talk to your MLA about things that you see wrong or your politicians. Don't be afraid to get your word out. What, what is it going to hurt if you say to somebody, I don't agree with that statement? I mean, you, know, you don't have to get physical. You don't have to get ugly. You can certainly use your voice in a powerful way. And we're starting to hear police chiefs in the States and, and politicians condemn the actions of the police. Well, great. Let's see, let's see them make a real effort to find these officers who have been, uh, been overly rough. In the videos, in the clips that we've seen on social media through the last five days, there have been so many examples of violence that does not need to happen. Well, let's see those police officers have to stand up for that. And in no way am I saying cops are bad, all of them. But in any industry... The, uh, the bad apples ruin the bunch. Scott, just before we let you go, I just want to read this text message from Troy who says, hey, thank you guys for having this keyboard warrior on your program this morning. Refreshing hearing words come from a good person, and he's 100% right. I really hope his words reach more people. Thank you for that, Troy. And thank you, Scott, for sharing your story with us this morning. We very much appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, who is back on Wednesday. Phase two of Manitoba's reopening begins today as we continue a slow return to normal. And while many businesses are getting ready to reopen, like Fusion Grill, with whom we spoke at 8.05, they're opening their dining room on Thursday with a patio. 
we wanted to check in with a business that was able to open back up as part of phase one. That's right, Brett. That business is the Pure Escape Massage Therapy. It's located at 698 Cordon Avenue. Its owner is Rosario Cesario, and Rosario joins us live now on the start. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we always enjoy speaking with you, and uh, let's uh, recap or back up a little bit here. When uh, Phase 1 was first announced, you were, you were a little hesitant to open up, and I think you pressed pause on that plan until you were comfortable, and that resulted in you uh, opening up about two weeks ago, correct? Yeah, yeah, so it's been two weeks since we opened. We waited two weeks, and now it's been two weeks since we opened. How's it so going? how's it going? So far, so good. It's, it's very different. Uh, the pace is different. Uh, the feel is different. Um, you know, there was fear from both sides, from clients coming in and staff coming back. So it, it's just, it's been different. That's the only word I could really use right now. Well, when it comes to that fear, uh, for example, from clients, what sort of concerns are they sharing? Um, you know, when we started making calls, tell them we were coming back and we had a lot of phone calls to return, uh, they flat out said, what are you doing to keep me safe? That they flat out asked that question. And, and I, I made sure that, you know, I was covering all my bases. So I told them, uh, you know, all our stuff in our bathrooms are now touchless. I went to touchless soap dispenser, touchless paper towel dispenser, um, hand sanitizer that's everywhere, uh, you know, I tried to make it as safe for them as possible to come in. Uh, we did split schedule with our therapist. So I have one group that starts at one time, uh, another group of therapists that started another time, and they're split by 45 minutes uh, from each other. This way, when clients come in, no clients coming in or out bump into each other. There is the minimal amount of people in our space at all times. Um, numbers as low as we can possibly keep them to, you know, uh, to abide by the guidelines that we have to abide by, by as well. So again, we've tried to take every approach possible with the clients. Cleaning protocols that are posted right in the room that the therapist has to follow the moment that the client leaves. They got to wipe and sanitize the entire room down. So uh, again, we're doing everything we possibly can to keep the, our clients safe as well as the staff. Now, Brett, I think you mentioned the other day that where you get your hair cut, they've had to change the, the way they space out their clients uh, because there's more cleaning involved. And of course, there's an economic impact to that decision. And uh, obviously, it, it's what needs to be done. But Rosario, are, are, are you discovering new things about your operation that you'll you'll keep implemented once COVID-19, uh, dare I say, goes away and isn't a, a factor any longer. And uh, I'm also curious about your relationship with your staff and your therapists and 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 uh, how important uh, you realize that they are in a time like this. Yeah. Um, one thing that we probably won't change right now is the split schedule. Uh, we kind of do enjoy that. It's, it's, it's slowed the place down a bit. And I think, honestly, for you know, what we do slowing down is, is a good thing. <laughs> you know, we're trying to, we're trying to get people to, to be relaxed and to be a lot more, you know, aware of their surroundings. Um, and us doing the split schedule and having the limited amount of people, it, it's a different feel to our place. And that's something I don't think uh, will change. Uh, we have one other thing we implemented is the 30 minutes in between appointments. We used to have 15 minutes. So the therapist would finish the appointment clean the room, fill up their chart, 
uh, and reset the room and get the next uh, their next uh, client in. Uh, and we're kind of liking the 30 minute in between where there's more time to get everything done. And not only that, but just get it done properly, better, you know, uh, more thorough. Uh, we really enjoyed that. Uh, in terms of the staff, um, I've really, uh, it's something I've always done. Always. I've always had an open door policy. I've always said, you guys can come talk to me about anything. Don't let any issues linger. Um, you know, I really just listened. Uh, when it was announced that businesses could open on the 4th, um, one, I knew I wasn't ready. Uh, and tentatively, I had said, okay, and we're not going to do the 4th. What about the 11th? And just after a couple of days of, of talking to the staff about the 11th, they were very uncomfortable with it. And I had no problem moving it back to the 19th after that. So it, it's just listening and making sure that what they're concerned about is is foremost because if they don't come into work, there is no business. You know, you don't have a business. They are the most important people in the cog there. So I, I have to listen to what their concerns are and making them feel comfortable was very, very important to me. Cause again, if, if they're coming with that nervous energy into work, wondering what uh, can happen, uh, that, goes into that appointment that they're going to be doing with their clients and then it won't be good you know so again it's it's a full process that uh i wanted to implement and make sure that uh, i did properly and taking care of the staff was foremost for me so with the staff i mean in terms of hands-on jobs massage therapy uh, is there is no massage therapy without hands being on your clients yeah. so what uh, what do the staff have to do in terms of uh, equipment that they they maybe are wearing now that they, they weren't wearing before uh, i've made uh, uh eyewear mandatory uh, so they have to wear eyewear that wrap around all the way around their eyes just in case you know the there, there's an issue with that. They have masks uh, that are available as well. They uh, told, you know, they have multiple shirts that they could wear throughout the day to change. I, I've made, ma- I got masks made for them and I made it so that they have a new mask for every appointment. Uh, not just here's your one mask, take care of it or, you know, limited amount. It's you do the one appointment, change your mask. You have another mask for your next appointment and then your next one. So I have a, ma- a new mask for them for every appointment that they do throughout their day, not just the, you know, the one mask that they have to wear until it's not wearable anymore. It's one mask for every appointment in their day. Um, so again, uh, the, and again, the protocols for cleaning, uh, not just the, the room, but for their hands and for the clients that are coming in, the pre-screening questions that we do on the phone before the client comes in. And then we re-ask those screening questions again when the client is there in the room. So it's uh, a process of safety all the way around for sure. Uh, We just got a text message here, Rosario. It says, my wife and I have been to our massage therapist once each already since allowed to reopen and have our second appointments booked for later this week. Here's our listeners' point of view. We all need to do our part to help get back to a new, safe, normal. Are your customers accepting of the new protocols? Yeah, uh, you know, they've been great. I I don't think that there's, you know, they understand what has to be done. Um, there's always that fear and, you know, that's why there's the ones that called and, and did question me because I made a lot of the phone calls and they said, what are you doing? How are you protecting me? 
And they have a right to ask that question. Um, you know, again, going back to when we reopened and, and, you know, I talked to you guys and I thought it was too soon uh, uh, during the reopen. And, and one of the things, too, that I couldn't even wrap my head around, um, just so you guys know, like, and this is how I, I've always run my business. I'm so kind of anal about it. I started ordering supplies for the business 10 days before we closed down. That's how aware I was of what was coming. Those supplies that I ordered, I never got them. So I always question, how were people able to open May 4th? When I ordered supplies at the start of March, I never got them. It's been very, I've gone through every emotional range, and anger was one of them at one point, because here's what some of the supplies companies were doing. I had ordered supplies in March. Now, back when the prices were normal, I was supposed to get these, the order end of June, then they bumped it back uh, into May, just before we were going to reopen. I never got the supplies. They came and they called me and they said, sorry, your order was canceled uh, for various reasons. And I said, how is that possible? I said, well, anyways, resend me the order. Oh, sorry, we've resold it. <laughs> well, sure, they've resold it because when I ordered them, they were at, the price level was way down here. They canceled my order and we sold it for five times as much, which angered me. You know, and that's short-sighted for businesses to be doing stuff like that. But they're taking advantage. And it was very upsetting for me. And then I had to scramble to find the stuff I did before I opened. Again, thank goodness I waited those two weeks because it allowed me to get everything in place, even with a backup that I did need that time to find. But, uh, you know, that's how it went. So, Rosario, uh, the website is thepureescape.ca. Uh, what's your phone number if people want to call you and make an appointment? 204-488-0815. I know that I need to make an appointment. i just got to <laughs> get a follow-up appointment with you to, to try to work out the rest of the kinks in my shoulder because it was just an amazing experience uh, when you fixed me up back in February or March or whenever that was. Rosario, thank you so much for joining us this morning uh, to just give us a, a peek into how things are going and uh, hopefully some of the restrictions continue to loosen and you guys can be, your clients and your therapists can be a bit more comfortable as we carry on here. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a great day. All right. Rosario Cesario, the owner of the Pure Escape Massage Therapy. It's also a spa, uh, but the services are limited as to what they can offer right now. Uh, But hopefully you'll be able to start offering some of that stuff soon. And you can follow them on social media for further updates as time goes on. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.